part's really easy. It goes like this.
Lord, we lay it all down at your feet, God. Lord, take it. Take all the things that are burdening us out of our hands, Jesus. Lord, we place them at your feet, God. Lord, we don't just hold it open. We put it down in Jesus' name. Lord, we are here for you this morning. Jesus, we thank you for your presence. It's weighing heavy in this place, Jesus. Lord, we thank you that you are just moving. Continue to move, Jesus. Ready our hearts. God, we're ready for you, Jesus. Lord, we love you and we thank you and we praise your holy name. In your heavenly name I pray. Amen. You may be seated. Welcome to Hope Church. Whether you're a guest, a regular attendee, or part of the dream team, we're glad that you made it to the barn this morning. Our mission is simple. We exist to help our community see God for who He is, see ourselves the way God sees us, and to love others the way God loves us. Hope Church is a place where you can belong before you believe. We want you to find community here, regardless of who you are and what your background is. One can describe Hope Church as an intergenerational ministry. This means that we embrace the diverse age groups in our church. We walk through life together and discover God's incredible plan alongside each other. This is the DNA of our culture. We also have a dynamic ministry for you and your family. On Sunday mornings, we worship with passion and listen to a message that is both practical and transformational. We have a lively children's ministry where your kids can learn about God while having fun. Our students meet every Sunday where your tweens and teens can find a place to belong. And we have Group Life, our small groups ministry, where people do life together in homes all over Plain City. If you're a guest with us today, we want to connect with you. All you need to do is to fill out the Connect card in the seat pocket in front of you. Then, meet us at the Connect Center in the lobby after the service. We'll have a gift for you. Thank you again for coming, and we'll see you next week. children that are in the foster care system today in the state of Texas. There are half a million children that are in the U.S. that's in the foster care system. And I said, who would stand with me today for these kids? That day, Nedra Wade, she stood and raised her hand and she said, Pastor, I will. And then another person stood and said, I will. And another stood and said, I will. And another stood and said, I will. Well, after the process started in our church and family after family, within three months, 39 children were placed in families in our church. Jesus, Jesus. What if there was more families waiting for children than children waiting for families? So we called Child Protective Services. And they said, if that happens in any county, that will be the first ever.
So today is Stand Sunday, and it's time that, you know, we talked about this a couple weeks ago, about how God cares about the orphan, the poor, and the widow, and this supports exactly what we talked about a couple weeks ago, and so I want to invite my friend Jason up because he is very closely connected to a group that um, we go down to El Salvador with that actually works with these kids, and unlike the American system, the system in El Salvador, there's really no system for them whatsoever. So Jason, why don't you come on up? I'm going to put this easel up here, too. All right, so Jason brought some pictures. We're going to put them on the screen here, and we're just going to talk through it. So Jason, why don't you kind of talk a little bit about what CDMFIT is and how it got started and the heart behind it, and then whatever you want to explain with the pictures that are up on the screens here. Okay. Um, so, yeah, you've heard Nate speak, and I spoke a little bit about it prior. Um, CDMF is an organization in El Salvador that um, we have a nonprofit here in Ohio called Emerson's House of Refuge, and we partner with them. Um, CDMF was started by Daniel and his wife, Daisy. Um, they just had their quinceanera last year, so they've been 15 years. Um, this will be the end of their 15th year. I believe their anniversary is in June, I think is when we went down mm. there. Yes. Um, yep. So, yeah, they're moving into year number 16. Um, they were both educators by trade. Um, Daniel went to Columbia to do an internship after college uh, to help a husband and wife start their boys' home, foster home that they were having for the orphans in Columbia. Um, he went for six months and stayed for eight years. Um, so not exactly what his plan was. Um, he was coming out of college. He was ready to go make money and be a professor and do these things, and God kind of changed his path. Um, he came back to El Salvador and decided he wanted to duplicate that in his home country. Um, so he and Daisy got together. They talked about it. She thought he was crazy. Um, he agreed that he thought it was crazy as well. Um, they both were working the school system, and the same week that Daisy found out that she was pregnant, Daniel announced that he was going to start CDMFA. And Daisy said, you have two years to make this work. You and God have two years to make this work, or we're going back to work. That's so awesome. um, their main goal is exactly what Nate just said, the infants, the orphans, and the widows. Um, you'll hear Daniel say that 100 times. Um, so their different programs are, you know, they have education programs in the communities. Um, they work in four or five different communities there. They have a street feeding program, which this year, due to everything going on, has kind of been put on the side as far as mm -hmm. the way we know it. Right. Um, but they're still going out into the communities. They have the whole time during COVID since the beginning of the year, um, delivering food parcels to many families in the communities. Um, they also have two clinics that they operate um, a couple of days a week in different communities. Um, and now this year, supposedly was supposed to be 2020. It's going to be 2021. Um, Daniel and Daisy have decided that they are going to duplicate this again. They're going to multiply, so they're going to move into Colombia and Peru. Wow. Um, so Daniel and Daisy are looking at next year um, doing a three-month cycle where okay. they'll be in El Salvador for three months, they'll be in Colombia for three months, they'll be in El Salvador for three months, they'll be in wow. Peru for three months. Um, that's what their life looks like. Um, DJ, their son, is I think he's going to turn 13 this year. Um, he's been in the mission field since he was two. Mm. So... Um, Daniel tells some awesome stories of what that's like to travel with a child in the mission field and go to Germany and have him crying because all he wants is rice and beans. He doesn't want sauerkraut and <laughs> sausage anymore. So uh, they learn to start packing rice and beans from El Salvador in their bags when they travel. Awesome. So. Why don't you talk about a little bit about the pictures? I'm assuming these are 
kid, kids at Daniel CDM that yeah, actually works so with this, so walk us through this picture. Um, Nate was actually got to hear me talk through this uh, picture here. This was uh, last year when I was there. We decided we wanted to reward the kids in the communities um, for their hard work and for their education goals and the things that they did through the year. So this was actually Plaza Mundo, which is the mall that's closest oh, to Daniel's yes. organization. Okay. Um, these are the kids from a community called El Cortez. Mm. Um, we took 32 kids to go see the Adams Family movie. <laughs> um, and there were five of us, adults. <laughs> so um, it was kind of like herding cats. Um, Grupo Catos is what they call it. Yeah. Um, it's like herding cats together. Oh, um, but they were able to get a bus a micro bus, which those of you who have been there, it's not like a Coda bus. It's more like a airport shuttle bus. Um, cram 32 of them and adults inside of that. They pull up to Plaza Mundo. We're standing outside. It was uh, the two German girls were still there and myself and a girl from Peru. And we're waiting outside. And we're like, man, where are they? They should be coming. All of a sudden, we hear this loud screaming. And we're like, what's happening? And the bus comes around the corner. All these kids are hanging out of the window, waving, awesome. screaming. Um, so for the majority of these kids, I would say with the exception of maybe three, that was the first time they'd ever been in a movie theater. Wow. Ever been to a movie theater. So the deal was um, we, CDMFA, myself, and, and people here that partnered with me as a missionary, we paid for the movie tickets. Um, the children decided that they wanted to use their collection money from the year to buy pizza and soda. So they bought their own pizza. They bought their own soda. Nice. Um, it was a great day. So, yeah, that was, a, that was a tiring day. I needed a nap. And, of course, we had the street mission that night right after this. Yeah, so it was like from, you know, from the fire to the frying pan. Yeah, right. um, so finally about 9 o'clock that night, I passed out. So, but it, it was just a great experience. That's so, cool. Um, What's the next picture that you got there coming up? Um, so this is another community. These are the kids from Valencia. Um, okay. You can see yeah. Daniel's volunteers, um, Sylvia, Sonia, and Myra in this picture. Mm -hmm. um, again, we took these kids uh, to reward them for their, their hard works for the year. Um, they wanted to go to Pizza Hut because that's what every kid wants to do when they're there. They love Pizza Hut. Um, so and we it's went to Pizza Hut. everywhere there, by the way. And this is, yeah, this is a community <laughs> that these kids do not leave their community. They stay in their community. Um, and when I say it's a narrow passageway in there, it's, I don't know, you guys went to Valencia, I think. I know, yeah. I know you guys did. It's a, it's, a, it's a walkway the size of this platform. Um, and there's a lady at the front of the community that has her little fruits and vegetables set up, and she is the lookout for that community. So nobody gets past there without her knowing it. Um, you walk back this little corridor, you turn left, you walk past about nine or ten pit bulls the size of horses and um, men who are working at that time. And that's where these kids live. There's probably 60 families that live within, you know, um, a place not bigger than this parcel of land for sure. Um, so we walked from there to Pizza Hut, which was an adventure within itself because most of these kids have never been out in the street. So... Um, Isabella, who's the little girl in the very front with the white, she has zero fear. She walks straight out in the middle of traffic because um, <laughs> everybody's going to stop for her because she's never been outside before. So, wow. um, But I remember we were walking back, um, and we left Pizza Hut, and we stopped and got ice cream. And we were walking back, and she just reached up and grabbed my hand. And we started walking, and I was like, this is it. This is why we're here. So um, that was a really cool day with them, with Love those it. kids. So. so what's the next picture here you got? This uh, okay. is an important part of what Daniel's doing is with these guys. Yes. Right? So um, 
stand in the gap, you know, like, like Nate said. Um, these are young adults uh, and, and adults who are in the community in El Cortez. Um, two years ago, they started a program um, for adult education for ESL. So they're taking these adults. They invest. They pay $5 a month to come and take these ESL classes. So um, I know mm -hmm. Bill was down there, and I think you guys were there mm -hmm. for some of the classes. Right. Yep. Um, but this was actually their graduation, so they actually completed wow. the two-year program. So what this does for these adults is it gives them an opportunity to go and get a better job, which down there would be like a call center job or something versus you know, working in the markets, or if nothing else, it just teaches them another skill because a lot of these adults have never graduated high school, never even finished middle school. Um, Alba mm -hmm. is the girl in the second row um, with the blue shirt um, holding the cross there. She actually was part of a program last year that she got to come to the United States for three weeks. Mm -hmm. um, she's been doing a government English class program downtown San Salvador. And she is like one of the model students. Um, she's like 16 years old now. Um, known her since she was like nine, 10 years old. Okay. Um, she's actually getting scholarship letters from universities in uh, Virginia and Georgia where she wow. was able to tour. So um, yeah. So, so it's really just, redeeming it's the situation. Yeah, fruits of just her yeah. getting out. And if you talk to her, like all she wants to do is, is just help make things better for her family. I love it. And last picture, this is probably one of the most important things i remember my eyes were boom when we were down here it took me a while to grip this but yeah so for those of you who haven't seen me without pants on i'm covered in tattoos a lot which is a totally different story down there um but the police really like me they like to talk to me a lot um so this is daniel um giovanni Menjavar, um and this is jocelyn um we've both known jocelyn daniel longer than i but um since she was probably 14. She's been on the streets since she was 13. Um, so, you, so you say she's been on the streets since she was 13. So clarify that for she, everyone. She um, had a falling out with her parents and her dad left when she was probably eight or nine years old. Finally had a falling out with her mother. Her mother was using drugs and alcohol and she left um, and went to the streets in San Salvador. Um, so she's been on the streets, you know, so she lives she, on like, the streets. She lives on the streets, sleeps on the streets. Um, her and a couple girls at one time had um, a room that they were sharing. They were paying $75 a week, mm. which is a lot of money. The average monthly income is about $250. Um, they sell candy on the buses. They sell, they wash windshields on the corners. They, they do different things. Um, to generate that revenue. So there might be three or four girls with five or six kids sharing a room the size of this stage that wow. someone's charging them $75 a week for. No beds, no electric, no water. Just the room Just a itself. Room, a room with a door, pretty much. Um, so this is Jocelyn's second baby. Um, her boyfriend, um, Adonai, ironically is his name. Really? Um, <laughs> he is far different cry than what I pictured Adonai to be. Um, but... It's been rough. It's been a rough life for her. It, it's heartbreaking to see her um, in the circumstance that she's still in because she doesn't want to change. She doesn't. She likes her life. She thinks her life is good. Um, and we see it differently that she could be better. Um, so something that Daniel did this year uh, or last year started um, was Deborah's house, which was the construction project that we were talking about digging all the dirt, moving the dirt. Um, so now... Girls like Jocelyn, other mothers in the community, they have the opportunity to bring their children to Deborah's house in the morning. 
Um, they get a spiritual message and a breakfast, and then they're able to go and work. So Jocelyn's able to take, she has two children now, um, mm. bring them there, drop them off. They're cared for in like a daycare type situation during the day. And then Jocelyn's able to go and work um, without, you know, literally leaving her kid on the street with someone else That's, to yeah. watch them. So I think what Nate was saying about the, the eye-opening part, and I say this to people and I try not to, we have homelessness. We have hunger issues. We have poverty. We have all those things here. I, I will not argue that at all. Um, but when you go to this environment and you pull up and there's 20 infants that are under the age of seven right. hanging out on the street corner in the middle of the night in downtown San Salvador because their mother just rode a bus for two hours to bring them there because it's the only time everybody will have enough food. Right. It's different. It's it's yeah. it's different. Um, you don't drive downtown Columbus and see infants and babies on these corners because Children's Services would be there snatching them up and taking them wherever. Right. And here the government just says, they're street kids. We don't care. So so the only one who cares for the kids would be a call of God, someone like Absolutely. Daniel doing that and that sort of thing. So no, yep. you brought a couple of things over here for people if they want to help support Daniel, what he's doing, and that sort of thing. So just kind of briefly share that. and we'll Yep. So one of the things that we do as Emerson's House, um, we have child sponsorship organizations. I know Molly and them do that as well for um, Nate in the coffee shop. They sponsor um, mm -hmm. a child. Jeff and Jen sponsor a child. Um, Bill was sponsoring some girls through the adult ESL program. Right. So um, we have sponsorship programs available. Um, November and December this year, we are trying to figure out a way COVID friendly to help support them because we can't go on trips, we can't visit, we can't do these things. Um, we started a thing last year called Dos Manos Coffee, which mm -hmm. is two hands in Spanish because um, Daniel's all about the gospel of two hands. Um, so that's what we named it. And so what we're doing in November, December is we're selling one, one pound bags of coffee and for $20 and $10 of that will go directly to buy Bibles, help Daniel buy Bibles. Um, last year he gave out almost a thousand Bibles. Wow. So our goal is to bless him the first of the year with enough money to cover a thousand Bibles for next year. Wow, so awesome. um, every bag of coffee will buy 10 or five Bibles. Wow, so, that's great. Um, and then we've got some other stuff over there too as well to look cool. at. So, um, Well, thank you. Thank you for being part of what Daniel's doing and just kind of give you a little idea. Yeah, we can stand in, we can do Stay on Sunday here in America, and that's very important, but we got to also realize, too, around the world, there are kids that literally have nothing compared to what we have. And so there's that balance between we got to take care of our own, but we also need to take care of the world. So it's, it's good to have someone else remind us to think outside of our normal community. So, Jason, yeah, thank you very much for doing that. Standing in the gap, I yeah. mean, I know, I, don't know I, I think I can speak for Bill, Molly, Sharon, Nate, um, you won't find a more sacrificial group of people who will stand in the gap for women and children um, right. and widows. I mean, the, the sacrificial model that these people and Daniel and his organization set is just is unparalleled. Agreed, completely agreed to that. Well, thank you so much, Jason. Yep. I appreciate you, you sharing. No problem, thank you. everybody thank you so much for your uh, generosity and your care and warmth for our family during our, this time of being off so I really appreciate you all um, we have some exciting things happening at hope coming up and I hope that you're aware of it so I just need a show of hands how many of you already have your Christmas tree up 
awesome. I know some. Yes, I go say I know this guy does. <laughs> well, we're gonna be decorating the barn here for Christmas in two weeks. So, and uh, November 22nd after service, bring your lunch um, and just plan to stick around and help help out as we decorate the barn for Christmas. Um, get into the holiday spirit. We're gonna have some cookies, some hot cocoa. So please mark your calendars for that. Also, women, we have some fun things coming down the pike for you. Um, on Sunday nights, we are having a prayer Zoom call at 7 p.m. And this is called Women Empower Hour. And it's a come and go as you can type of thing. So don't feel like you need to say the whole hour. But we just really feel called that we need to pray, right? There's nothing wrong with a little more prayer in our life. And so I encourage you to hop onto that Zoom call with us tonight um, for, in the next, for the next uh, end of the year, next Sundays coming up. And uh, we're going to really... Buckle down and ask Jesus what he has for us, the next step. And lastly, we also are going to be, I just lost my train of thought. There we go. <laughs> oh, we're going to have our Christmas cards that we are doing for um, our foster children in Madison County. And so next, next week, you need to bring those cards. Those are $25 gift cards. It can be to any store, any restaurant. Uh, bring those. Drop them off to Miss Amy Hansen. Uh, she'll be here next week. And uh, we're going to be able to bless our foster teens in Madison County. And last but not least, we're also going to be having a ladies' craft night beginning monthly on December 1st. <laughs> we're really excited about this. This is just a really low-key time for you to come and work on a project if you have one, nothing organized. Um, if you don't want to craft, you don't want to do that, but you would rather socialize, please come. We'd love for you to be here. Bring your coffee, bring your tea, and just have fun hanging out and uh, encouraging one another because we definitely need it during this time, right? We need community. Uh, and then last but not least, I just want to say... Um, uh, we are so thankful that you are here. That I just really felt impressed as I was sitting there that, that Jesus is doing something in Plain City. Whether you see it or not, he is moving still. And so I just want to encourage you to stay faithful. <laughs> Thanks. Aren't you glad she's back? I'm glad she's back. <laughs> Praise Jesus. Well, um, we just want to thank you again for uh, your faithful giving. This is a time for us to give, but... Um, I just want to remind you guys that there's a couple of ways for us to give. Um, we're not passing the offering uh, bucket, but we can give online. Um, you can give uh, through the mail, but there's also a number you can text uh, to give, um, and that's 84321. So just text that number, um, and then there's also an offering bucket in your way out. Um, but I just want to read this verse um, from Matthew chapter 6, verse uh, 19 to 21. It says... Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, for moths and vermin destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, for moths and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. I think this is a good reminder for us that as we give, we are storing treasures in heaven. And, um, but before we give, uh, let's bow our heads and pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you uh, for blessing us, Lord God, and um, thank you for this reminder, Lord God, that as we give, Lord God, we are giving not to Hope Church, but we are giving to you, Lord God, and I pray that you would, uh, as, we, as we give, Lord God, that you would um, allow us to have joy and as, um, remind us that we are blessing other people and we're blessing you, Lord God. Uh, bless us for the rest of this service. In your name we pray, amen. amen. Thank you, Javis. Okay. Take a deep breath. Everyone stand up. I know, stand up. I've been sitting. 
Stretch up really high. Two hands, come on. Yeah, see, this feels good, doesn't it? Yeah. All right, now bend down as low as you possibly are able to go. I'm actually going to go a little lower now, which is great. All right, cool. Stand back up. We're going to stretch this way. We're going to stretch this way. Like, why is he doing this? I do this with kids all the time, so this feels great, doesn't it? Oh, you guys can sit down. Awesome. All right, cool. We're going to continue our Stories of Faith series, and I've got two more people to come up and share um, about their things. But before we get to that, I wanted to just dive in immediately, and let's just talk about the verse that we're going to look at. So go ahead. You can bring that up. So last week, we talked about how God gives us a measure of faith. And we're not sure if he's going to give you a large measure or a small measure. It doesn't really matter what the measure of faith is. The idea is that you're obedient with what God has given to you. And so we're going to talk about this difference between human wisdom and the power of God, which I think is very important to understand when it comes to faith, what the two differences are about that. So Paul here is writing to the church in Corinthian and Corinth, and he is recalling his time with them. And he's call, calling it back. I'm like, hey, when I first met you, we did this. We did, talked about this. And then he says this interesting point in verse 5 in chapter 2. So I did this so you would trust not in human wisdom, but in the power of God. Kind of seemed disjointed. Don't worry. We're going to talk about verses 1 through 4 in a moment when, um, Amy, when Amy and Doug come up. But before they do that, Paul here, just to set it up, Paul is walking through and remembering his time with them. He's, he's looking back and he's saying, hey, when I came to you, I came to you not using the human wisdom and words. I'm I'm use, I use the power of God. And I like what the King James, how the King James Version says it. This is how, how it's translated. That your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. He wants their faith in the power of God, not in human wisdom. Why is Paul making this very distinct call? about the power of God being more important than human wisdom. Well, really simple. When we first meet someone who's a, who, even before they know Jesus, our natural inclination is basically to say, hey, let's debate about God. Let's debate about science. Let's debate about all that stuff. Why? Because it's fun. It's cool. It makes us impressive. But the problem with that is when we start diving into this, what do we do? We set up a God that is, well, you can't, reason or logic with me, eh, he's not my God. He's a God for those people. Maybe he's a God that's completely untouchable. It's like, wow, but God really is that pure and holy, and like, I'm not good enough for him, so forget it. They just kind of walk away. Or maybe there's a God there that someone's like, I'm going to beat this thing. I'm going to use some logic. I'm going to use some science. I'm going to use some reasoning to prove there is no God. If we use human reason, wow, reasoning, if we use human reasoning when it comes to telling about God with someone we first met, we start setting up a precedence that they are going to want to beat. Something that we can't beat, and they can't beat, is the power of God, and Paul is trying to show them this, and we're going to dive in it in just a little bit. So, but I want to read off something that I read earlier this week that a, um, a commentary wrote about, about this verse itself, and this is what he says. Preaching strategies set around the wisdom of men, around the emotion, the entertainment, or the human personality, may yield a response, but not the results for the kingdom of God. So I was like, huh, interesting. Let him keep going. Many people use slick, entertaining, or deceptive means to lure people into the church and justify by saying, oh, we're just drawing them in by winning them to Jesus. But the principle stands. When you, what you draw them with is what you draw them to. He also says that if we can persuade someone into the kingdom of God using human reasoning, they could be persuaded out of the kingdom with human reasoning. I was like, ah, 
that hurts really deep. It hurts a lot. And Paul here, it, he recognizes this, and we'll see this in the next couple of chapters, because Paul is a very scholarly man. He, he knew his stuff, and he had all the reason in the world and all the right in the world to go to these people and display his knowledge and wisdom in front of these people that don't know anything about Jesus. And he would normally do it because this was the way of thought with the Greco-Roman time, just like it is for our day. Knowledge, wisdom, human reasoning, higher power, higher thinking is something we all crave. It makes us cool, makes us look smart, makes us me versus you. But that's not what Paul is trying to show here. He's trying to show something a little bit different that would be a complete turn on how they would normally do life. Because Paul knew if he could come to them and say and impress them about who God is with all his reasoning, what he would do is he would present a God that is completely and absolutely unattainable to the common person. And they were, he knew they're going to want more because they keep searching for more. They start wanting more things. And Paul knew if I just came to them with just Jesus and the cross, he, it would be enough for them. So how does this actually work? We're going to go back and we're going to read verses 1 through 4. Before I do that, Amy and Doug, would you guys please come up and feel free to have a seat here. So let's read verse 1. This is what Paul tells them. When I first came to you, dear brothers and sisters, I didn't use lofty words or impressive wisdom to tell you God's secret plan. See, Paul came to them not as a philosopher, even though he could have done that. He didn't come to them as a scholar, which he had all the right to do. He didn't do that. He could have came to them as a salesman saying, hey, God is better than this God or this God. He could have done that. He knew his stuff. You're like, well, how do you know that? Well, just read the book of Acts. I mean, Paul went at length with Peter. Paul went at length with different, he knew his stuff, but he didn't do it. He's saying, I didn't use lofty words or impressive wisdom. And the problem with this is sometimes we as Christians or we as people, we look at this and we talk about our faith. We're like, man, I'm not like that pastor. I'm not like that preacher. I don't know these things. And you feel discouraged. You feel disappointed. You don't feel like you're qualified to share Jesus or share your faith with anybody because I'm not good enough. I, I, don't, I don't have it. And automatically you disqualify yourself, and you, but you're forgetting the power of God in your life when you share it. So Amy, when it comes to living out your faith to others, do you often feel like you're lacking or maybe just not good enough to do that? Yes and yes. <laughs> Why? <laughs> um, I have two different opportunities. I would say the majority of my life is spent with, and one of those would be at work, and those people are the type of people that Paul is um, talking about who just aren't quite ready to hear the gospel yet. And so the way to reach them and try to reach them is through relationship with them and just... Um, being Jesus to them, but not preaching Jesus at them. Um, and, of course, you know, I haven't led a single one to Christ in almost 15 years there now, but I have great relationships. So um, it seems like I'm lacking, but that's where that is at. And then the other example um, are my kids and homeschooling them, and my teens just are always challenging me with theological questions no. and always wanting more really? meat. Um, so much so that Garrett, a couple years ago, got up from asking me a question and said, can I go email a pastor? <laughs> nice. 
so I am lacking there as well. <laughs> so yes, lacking and lacking. Lacking and lacking, yeah. And, that, and that's what happens because we, we put our, our matrix through a system that's not obtainable for, for everybody. Paul knew that. If he knew, if he if he knew that going to these people and said, "Hey, let me give them something that there's no way, no, they'd be they wouldn't be around. There was just no way." So he had to create a way. And so let's read verse two and what it says. So this is what he did. So I decided that while I was with you, I would forget, and that word literally means forget, means put out of your mind everything except Jesus Christ, the one who was crucified. This is just crazy to think about. You're talking about a guy who had all the reason in the world and all the right in the world to go ahead and use the logic to debate and show people who don't know Jesus for the first time who Jesus is, the cross, debunk that with how they're thinking with their moral failures and their philosophical lack of. He had that, but he decided what? To forget it. And that's just crazy. Um, The same author that I read earlier, he said this, if a preacher is not careful... He will get in the way of the gospel instead of being a servant of the gospel. They, they can obscure Jesus by preaching, either in presentation or the message. So when it comes to living out your faith, there is a battle that goes on, especially when you're interacting with someone for the first time who doesn't know Jesus or you're trying to share your faith. Because there's this battle that constantly just happens going like, well, I can't just say about Jesus. I need to show this. I need, how do I do that? Like, and then all of a sudden you just start disqualifying yourself because you're like, I can't, I can't even speak or think right now. It becomes this thing, but what does Paul do? He says, I literally put it out and I forget everything except Jesus and the cross. And that's hard because we have all these different things going on in our life. And that's when our faith will start growing as we get closer and closer together. So Doug, how has, and we won't see, obviously in transition and that sort of thing, that's really when our faith is challenged and we really get close to God. So Doug, how has your faith been challenged as you lived out this transition for this past year that maybe not everyone really knows? And this follow-up for that is, is it harder to focus on God during that time, or is it easier for you to focus on God during that time? Yeah, so this this year has been unique for everybody, but for for me it's been especially unique. Um, In January, when I was in prayer, the Lord spoke to me and said, I am going to reassign you. Over the last several years, God's been speaking to me about my employment and that I'm not employed by this company or that company. I'm an employee of God, and he places me where he wants me. So in January, when he told me I'm going to reassign you, I was like, okay, Lord, whatever you want. And then that day I get to work, and my manager stopped by my desk and said, we need to talk. Pulls me aside and says, hey, I think the company's trying to push us out. Okay, there was my confirmation, you know, what God was speaking to me. And then a few months later, COVID, and, and, you know, they started off by releasing all the consultants and contractors and then sent the employees home to work from home. And so I came home, and then about two or three weeks later, the company furloughed 80% of their workforce. So now here's the first time in in my career that I have been, I've been unemployed once or twice, but it's not for more than like a week. You know, God's always taken care of us. Mm. And he's always provided. But here's the first time, you know, I had no idea what was 
what was to, to happen. Hmm. But I had the promise of God that said, I am reassigning you. Okay, Lord, you're going to take care of this. Hmm. And so to your question about, you know, was it easier or harder? You know, in some aspects, it may be harder, but I, I've gotten to a place where it's like, I just have to trust God. Hmm. And in a way, it became easier. I just, day by day, just spending time with the Lord. Whatever you want me to do, Lord, I'll do it. Right. And, and he's carried us through that. So that simple, thank you, that simple trust God. We hear it all the time. We're thinking, I'm like, well, what does this mean? There's got to be more to this than just trust God. That's what Paul's dealing with here. There's got to be more, right? There's got to be more. Paul's like, no, just Jesus and the cross. No, 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 Paul, you're wrong. There's got to be more. Let's talk about light and dark. Let's talk about life. No, 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 no. Jesus and the cross is just trust God. Those simple things that we have been told over and over and over again, what we read in the Bible, we seem to discredit and disqualify ourselves because, oh, that was just for them. But we learn that's really for us. And it's hard because it's too simple. It doesn't make sense. And that goes into what his next, when the next two verses said in chapter, in verses three and four. When I came to you in weakness, timid and trembling, and my message and my preaching were very plain. Rather than using clever and, and I can't even say the word, you know what the word is, I relied on the power of the Holy Spirit. Paul could have, like I told you, he could have easily, to, I mean, presented in a very philosophical and human reasoning their living versus what Christ has done. He could have easily done that, but he didn't. He just made it simple. Jesus and the cross, that was it. He could have used all those words. He could have used all that stuff, but he didn't. And if we go back to chapter one, we see something a little bit more clear. What Paul is trying to share is that how we feel as Christians when we're trying to share our faith or grow in our faith is this idea of like, this just seems foolish, doesn't it? Like Jesus and the cross, really? That's it? Like, that's where it starts. It just seems foolish, right? And that's what Paul talks about. He's actually links in, in chapter 1, verse 24, Paul links the wisdom of God and his power directly onto Jesus. He doesn't separate it. He says the fulfillment of Jesus' wisdom, the fulfillment of Jesus' power is Jesus. Simple. He could have easily said, well, we can talk about the faith of Abraham. We could have talked about the faith of Israel. He didn't. He just all wraps up in Jesus. And then he starts sharing about Jesus that the cross of Jesus actually saves people. And this is where it gets crazy within this mindset because all of a sudden, and then Paul even talks about it, there are two different camps here. You have the Jewish followers that said, wait a minute, this is offensive. You're telling me that my God dies for me? No, no, I pay, I, I, I go to sacrifice, I, I temple, I go to the temple and I sacrifice and that is my right. No, my God wouldn't die for me. No, that's offensive. Why would you do that? No, my God is too big for that. He wouldn't do that at all. And then you have the Gentiles or the pagans or whatever you want to call them. They're like, really? <laughs> Stupid. Who are these people? They're idiots. That's what they believe. No, no, no. No, we think on a higher level. We act on a higher level. We do all. No, I am, I'm going to do it in my own power. In my own, I, I'll make my own way of doing it. And Paul's saying, that's why the cross of Christ is foolishness. It makes no sense. But we cannot, we cannot turn away back and see the power of God and saying, yep. It's true, especially if, you, if you're a follower of Jesus. makes no sense. Following Jesus is hard. It's one of those things, but you feel that, and it's hard to fight that. And so why? Why does Paul talk about this? Because in verse 29 of chapter 1, he says, no one could ever boast 
in the presence of God. The word boast here means to glorify, which means to lift or promote something. Paul wants to make sure that we're boasting about God and not ourselves. So if we're talking about the power of God versus human reasoning, if you use human reasoning to win your friends at where you're at, who would, who would be the one boasting? Be your, I would. Yeah, your human, you led them. Well, I won that philosophical argument. What if uh, you are trying to get, get this job and you're like, well, God told me a new assignment and you force yourself to find a job instead of allowing God to direct you to the job you're going to start tomorrow. Who would be the one boasting about this? Yeah, right. It, it would be me. It would or, be you. Or somebody would say it was your ability that did that. Exactly. See, what happens is we, we like the attention upon ourselves because it feels good because it's impressive. We're able to win. We're able to do these things. But the power of God is one of those things where Paul's like, I don't want this on me. I want them to, when they come to Jesus, Jesus is everything to them, and we boast about Jesus, not the person. That is massively different from the entire philosophical thought at this process. Even in today's country, same thing. We have to put, we have to put Jesus where he's at because we have to boast about him and sharing about him because there's no match, there's no equal. Because there's just this way how it goes. So to both of you, this question, is it harder? What's, oh, what is by far the hardest part about faith for you to when it comes to God's power or human wisdom? Which one do you rely on mostly throughout your day? Amy, go ahead. I guess as far as at my job, if I relied on human wisdom, I would be so ineffective and might not even have a job. Um, <laughs> so... Um, I have to rely on God's power and just pray on my drive to work um, the couple days a month that I get to go there that, you know, God would soften their hearts and God would open their ears and that I could just be Jesus to them and not, mm -hmm. like I said, preach Jesus at them. Awesome. Doug, same question. Yeah, so for me, you know, I'm, I'm a computer programmer, web developer, but I'm also into project management now. And, you know, I do have a lot of skill that God has enabled me with, but even then, you know, with what I do, it's constantly, you know, running into challenges and stuff. God, how do I get through this? How do I work through it? And, you know, it's not me. It, it's, it's God. And I have, can't do anything else but rely on him. Exactly. And it comes to the point where, you, where we wrestle with this tension because sometimes we tend to, at least I do, I don't know if you guys do, but I tend to almost discredit the power of the gospel itself because I feel like there's got to be more. There's got to be more. I mean, Sharon and I have walked us through with the coffee shop. You guys know it as Coffee Connections now. My mother and father-in-law sitting here, they knew it before it was there. It was not something that was amazing. It was a concept, and I'm pretty sure they thought they were, we were batch crazy, right? Yes, yes, yes you were. <laughs> right? But they loved us through it, right? But it's one of those things where, you know, as a business, I look at this, and I'm like, are we profitable? I mean, we're paying our bills. That's helpful. But on the spiritual side, going back to what you said, Amy, after four years of doing this, we haven't led anybody to Jesus. And according to the church world, according to the matrix, we're failing. Man, it hurts. I can, eat it, I can immediately disqualify myself right now. Well, I haven't brought anybody to Jesus. You're not doing a good enough job, Nate. You and Sharon, you guys aren't doing good. But I had to rectify with myself that, you know what? God sends some people to plant the seed, God sends someone to water it, and then someone else gets the blessing of that, of, that, of that increase. 
but I had to figure that out. God had to show me. So where was my thought process of disqualifying myself? I don't see the salvations. That's not what God was looking at. God was looking at what was I doing, what has he called me to do. And that's so hard because I was discrediting what God told me to do because I wanted this over here. And that's what Paul is trying to show them is like, he could have done this. He could have set them up what they needed to have. And he does. He walks through how to live and that sort of thing. But that's not what he first came to them about. He first came to them about Jesus and the cross. Because as Christians, we, we love that giant splash. We love people coming to Christ. We love, hey, let's have a Bible study. Hey, let's do this. Like what Jordan had at Amazon the other day of just, what, 20-something people, right? 50, something like that. Just surrounding him and a friend as he's sharing the gospel. We want that. That is so cool. But Jordan, that didn't happen to you day one, right? No. It took day after day, intentionality after intentionality to get that. But he didn't have thousands of people come to Jesus at Amazon, though. So will he disqualify himself? No. He's being faithful. And we got to learn to see the same thing, that God's going to stretch us, he's going to grow us, but we can't deny the single steps. So Amy, last question to you. Has there ever been a time in which you saw God working but you would not consider it as significant. Yes, yeah, so I had a situation one time where I went to work and they had hired a new employee, and so it was the very first time I met her, and somehow having six kids follows me wherever I go. And so I'm introduced as, hey, this is you know, our accountant, and she has six kids. And so immediately that <laughs> qualifies you as a parenting expert for some reason. Like maybe you should come to my house sometime. <laughs> um, and so she just opened up immediately and started sharing her life and the struggles that she had. And her and her husband had recently split apart and um, her kids were really acting out. They're very small. And um, she just wanted to know how she should parent them. I had nothing to give her. And I thought, I'm just gonna turn around and start working. And so I kind of just ended the conversation and um, as I worked, I prayed about it, and I said, God, what do you want me to do with this? Because I, I've never been in this situation. I'm not a licensed counselor, um, but is this an opportunity that you want me to say something that I should say? And he spoke very clearly and said, you need to tell her to heal her marriage, and that's the best thing that she could do for her kids. And I thought, I don't want to say that. <laughs> <laughs> And so I waited until the very end of her shift <laughs> when she was getting ready to leave. And I did it um, because I knew I had to. And um, she received it very well and was very thankful. And um, the next time I saw her, because I'm only there a couple days a month, um, she whispered to me. She said, do you go to church? And I said, yeah, I do. She um, was looking for childcare and just had some questions. And so long story short, I was able to text a friend who lives on that side of town and connect her with a church. Now, the reason the story is not significant or maybe I don't see it as significant is she then quit the job and I haven't seen her since. I don't know if she healed her marriage. I don't know if she went to church. Hmm. I don't know where she is at spiritually. Um, so I guess that's why I didn't rack that up as you know, right. doing anything significant for the kingdom. But you never know. We look at these moments like this, like what Amy just shared, and we're just saying, I'm like, eh, she didn't win him to salvation, and she didn't plug him into the church, and all these things, right, that we put as significant things that we do and go through our matrix, but that's 
what Paul is saying. It's like, no, if she relied on the power of God, and that was it. She's in the hands of God, not in the hands of Amy. And that's hard for us as Christians because we, and hard for us as people because we like to control things. We like to be able to know what's happening and help someone move and whatever. But realizing with the power of God, our hands are completely off. God is the one. Why? Because God is the one who needs to be boasted about, not I'm amazing or not look what I can do. And as a church, I feel like with, with, with how we do things as hum- humans and different pastors and different churches, we lose that. And what happens is we all feel we're not worth it. We're not good enough. But Paul, who should have been able to win them over by logical argument, said, I forget. I forget it all. And it's just Jesus and the cross. He gives us a model of how to live our faith. Thank you two so much for coming up. Give them hey, a Nate, hand. You guys are great. Can, oh, can yeah. I finish up my story yeah, real quick? Yeah, please because do. I yeah. know a lot of people have been praying for me and Becky. And um, so the conclusion to my story is, Starting tomorrow, I go back to work. So God is faithful. We've gone, what's that? So God, God is faithful. He, he is, we have not missed a bill. We have not missed a payment on anything this summer. You know, God has provided, and he does what he says he will do. Never doubt that. He will always come through. If he did it once for you, he'll do it again. Amen. Thank you, Doug. Thank you guys so much for coming up. Appreciate it. But it's those simple truths of faith that we discredit so many times because it's not, we don't feel like it's significant. And that is what God is trying to tell us is that your everyday life, what you're doing right now to live your faith out, either it be so small or you think may be completely insignificant, actually means something to God. And it means something to help grow your faith. So don't discredit the interactions, the opportunities, the, the things that you're doing. You're living in them with intention. God's can use, God is going to use that to not just grow your faith, but you have, never idea, you have no idea what little deposits you're making in someone's life. And that's something Sharon and I had to realize with the coffee shop when we weren't seeing. I mean, we tried three times to start a church at the coffee shop. And every single time, it did not work. And we tried multiple different facets, and we tried different things. It just did not work. And so we had to come to the conclusion, maybe that's not what God would want us to do right now. And so we started viewing how we did our life and how we talked to people, how we did things differently. And the moment we viewed it differently, we started seeing do, 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 do. And it wasn't salvations. It was relationships with this person, with this person, with this person. And then all of a sudden that came back to this. And we have a list of 25, 30 names. And I would say this to boast about what we're doing because if you know us, we have no idea what we're doing. Um, we do that. We have a list of 30 names of people that have been into our life for a certain season. We've walked life with them. And then God told them, time for you to go. And now every single one of them are doing something deeper and closer to God than they were before they met us. I'm not saying we're special. We're not. Maybe she is. I'm not special. But what this is showing us all And reminding us is, who's in control? God is. I'm not in control. Because if I was in control, those people would not have gone. They would not have left. They would have been right here. I would have had the church. I would have had everything. I would have exactly, exactly what everyone wants. But I didn't do that. That is not what God wanted. And so by allowing the power of God just to do what God's supposed to do, all these lives are now impacted for the kingdom for in a better way, something I would not even have seen. 
So don't discredit what God has for you. So let's pray real quick. Sharon, would you mind going? Let's pray real quick, and we have a special announcement at the end here. Lord, thank you so much for reminding us that our faith is significant to you. And God, thank you so much that you can remind us that um, you care deeply about us. God, I pray that we would live our lives this week and maybe the rest of our lives with this thought that we don't need to be amazing or smart or brilliant to be a follower of you. We just need to trust in your power. Just with the eyes closed, I just have a simple question. Maybe you struggle with this. Maybe, man, you love that human reasoning, you love that wisdom, and you love it, and you're just like, yeah, man, I go to town when someone's like, whoo, but you realize it leads nowhere, and you're like, you're frustrated. Or maybe you're someone that's, I'm not smart, I'm not a preacher, I'm not scholarly, I don't have the education, and man, I just do not live my life with intention because I disqualify myself. I want to pray for you that the Holy Spirit would just fill you with the confidence and the peace. And if that's you, just slip your hand up. No one's looking around, so I can pray for you. Because I know we all battle with this. We all struggle with this. Or maybe you forget. Maybe you look at what you do in your life or your family as completely insignificant. Jesus, thank you so much for your love and for your hope for every single one of these people in this room. And for myself, God, I'm included. God, I pray that you would fill us with your power and just remind us that it's your power that makes things happen. It's by your will that things take place. And God, it's not about how beautifully presentable I am in my words, my actions, how I dress and how I look that wins people to you. It's your spirit that does that. So God, I pray for every single one of us that we would live our life with intention and with the simplicity of the message of Jesus and nothing more. Oh God, that is so hard, but it is the power of God. Thank you, Lord, for this time. In your name, amen. Okay, so we have a a little announcement to make. Um, The kids are going to be coming in, so yes, your kids will be in here, so don't be shocked when that happens. Let them come in here. Hey guys, what's up? Bill, why don't you come on up? Do you have a microphone? Yep, okay. Look at all these kids. Hi guys. (laughs) Hi Ari. (laughs) You heard that, right? Hi, everyone. Uh, Jordan, I think, has a special announcement that she would like to tell us about what she thinks God is doing in her life. Jordan, thank you. Thanks. I have a letter to read you guys to make sure I say it correctly and what I want to say. So, um, as we all can um, attest to, that I think the um, pandemic has allowed us all to evaluate where we are in life. And so earlier this summer, Julie and I were talking about what I felt like were my divine calling and my goals in life. And that just spurred me to think about everything in life. That made me evaluate my jobs, my 
relationships, my dreams, and my goals, and I realized it was, it was time for a transition in my life. And I had come to that conclusion right before the Pratts made their announcements to leave church, and I thought it was a really strange time. It didn't make sense. Um, at that point, I'd become super confused. I felt like I was following God and that I'd heard from him, and I felt like he had led me to this decision. But the timing was all wrong. It didn't make any sense. It couldn't have been worse timing for our staff or for the church. Um, it just didn't make sense. And so for the next few weeks, I sought out some wise counsel, and I prayed. And um, a Sunday be or two before the Pratts left, Julie was preaching. She was preaching about how the Israelites were following God and that they, God had led them to the Red Sea. And it didn't make sense. It was confusing. It was all wrong. And um, how they felt like God had led them there, though. And that how God had bigger plans for them. They just had to keep following him and what he had told them to do. And then that was not the end of their journey. And that was the confirmation that um, I was needing. So I knew that I needed to make some changes in my life. And one of those changes is that I needed to um, change my position here at Hope Church. I have loved getting to watch and helping each of the kids and families grow and hope Jesus and hope Jesus and hope church and in Jesus together. Um, and the memories that I've made here have been great. But my time here at Hope Church is coming to an end. So November 22nd is going to be my last Sunday here as the kids pastor at Hope Church. Um, over the next few weeks, I just hope to make more memories with each and every one of you. Um, with either the families and the kids. So I want to thank you for allowing me to invest into you. And I want to thank you for investing back into me. I wanted to thank you, Jordan, for your five years here. Um, as noting that you have invested in us and you have given your heart, soul, and mind to the call of the Lord, but also to the children. Um, the church wants to thank you. But more than that, I wanted to thank you for what you've done in myself, my wife, my children, uh, my, that my grandchildren, that, you know, your sweet spirit, your life has been exemplary. You always have a smile on your face. You never are downcast in front of people. That has been a tremendous testimony to all of us. But secondly, your energy, your thoughts of uh, getting things right with the children and right with the adults. But secondly, you've brought a joy into us that most of us wouldn't have had. So five years of that, we will miss you. I'm incredibly sad that, um, that we'll miss you, but we wish you well on your journey in the future. You've brought Marcus to us. And Marcus has been a joy and delight to us. Um, and we want to pray for you and thank you for a job well done. So the staff, would you come up and we pray for her? Um, Sharon, Nate, Jabez, Lydia, um, Peter and Amy are out today. But we wanted to pray for her. Let's just... Pray for her as a uh, 
person who is fulfilling her destiny. So, Lord, we thank you for Jordan, her life, her testimony, and what she's been doing in the church, in her calling. And we ask you to bless her. Put your hand upon her as she moves forward in new endeavors. Lord, you've called her by name. You, you have called her by name in, as in Isaiah 43 that she is yours. The steps of a righteous woman are ordered by the Lord. So today we give you a charge of thank you, move forward, but also Jordan, that the Lord is with you in everything that you do. And if you go through the fire, you're not going to be burned. I know you've been scared about that. We also know if you go through the waters, he's going to be with you. He's called you by name. Today is a day that you're going to feel that in your heart greater and greater as the days go ahead. So today we thank you. Lord, bless her, keep her, and your hand is upon her. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, oh, wow. sorry, booming voice. Well, thank you guys for coming so much. Peter and Amy, I hope you're watching. And if not, we'll make fun of you next time when we see you. But have a good rest of your week. We'll see you guys next week. Next week will be fun. Um, I've got Lewis coming up who's going to, I'm going to interview him. He's got a really amazing story of what God has walked him and his wife through with his um, grandson. Uh, who's in the Marines, don't want it. It's a really amazing story of faith. So have a good rest of your week, and we'll see you later.